0: recorded live in Manhattan's East Village at St. Mark's Church in the Bowery, this is The Poetry Project. Hello, thank you all for coming. Um, I'm just going to read a quick introduction. I'm terrible at writing them, so forgive this. Um, Eileen Miles, of course, requires no introduction, especially here, where she not only served as director from 1984 to 1986-ish but has also been an important and guiding voice for many of us who come here, who have read here, who have worked here, and who consider the poetry project to be something like home. Home being complex, the poetry project, like Eileen's work, has been a house of complexities. As recent conversations around certain practices, certain bodies of work, and certain bodies are enlivening, broadening, and working necessarily toward increased awareness of how violence manifests and is perpetuated, new resolutions for broader and more inclusive spaces, and new working conditions for poets, I often return to Eileen's work, where she has been having these conversations for a long time through her poetry, her criticism, and her fiction. She writes in her essay, Painted Clear, Painted Black, quote, I think of the reader as somebody who deserves something other than a recitation from the long phallic night of my heart, whether that recitation takes the form of personal expression or a wily conceptual sound poem. I like an author who is, a rece- who is aware of reception in the body. If I think of transparency, it's the text revealing the author; it's the text responding to the political environment; it's a map; uh, it's a distressed recording of the history of sexual violence on women; a map of mourning; and a borrow from each thing I'm reading that has some impact on how writing stops and starts and what it entirely what entirely it could do given all this I think it's fitting that her talk tonight is I think about in part breaking silence through discomfort laughter chatter noise I've always felt that much of the force of Eileen's work comes from the immediacy of its personal engagement with environment with those in an environment I remember one of my first readings in New York was with Eileen We were in a bar in the East Village, in the back room behind a heavy red curtain that barely kept out the noise of the front room. I went first, then Erica Kaufman, then Eileen. When I went up, the mic hadn't been set up properly, so it sputtered and cut out. These awkward silences kept filling the space where my poetry was supposed to be, where I was supposed to be. And being new to everything, I grew nervous, and the situation devolved. The audience drifted into conversation. I lost confidence in what I was doing. I went quiet. The curator said, Let's fix the mic and start again. When I got back up, I told the audience I'd skip the part I'd already read, even though they'd already heard they they'd hardly heard it. I didn't want to, but I was embarrassed. Wait, Eileen shouted from the audience, "No, you have to read it again." I sort of stuttered, but Eileen, sensing my embarrassment, insisted, "Read it again. Let's hear it." So I did. It felt good. People interrupted me. They squirmed. The bar got louder. I kept reading my poems, which were new and embarrassing. I think I remember someone laughed, probably at something that wasn't meant to be funny. I think that was good. I kept reading. Please welcome Eileen Miles.
1: Thank you. That was so great. I'm mildly obsessed with a gray hoodie and a green backpack that wound up on the floor someplace, so if you see that, that's mine so yeah, when Andrew invited me to to give a talk i thought oh i should i should i should um do something with stand up but but I'll explain as I go i mean basically, I feel like just standing here i th- I thought well the thing about um the thing about Stand up, or performance, or being in front of people is is, but particularly stand up. Oh, if you watch, I mean, I don't watch that much stand up, but I watch more than I ever used to, and I noticed that basically they treat the audience like they're like their bathroom mirror. You know, you just start talking about um, your physical discomfort and stuff. So I just, I guess, I thought I have really long arms. I've discovered, like, <laughs> kind of weird. You know, um, so that's. Um, I'm not gonna. Um, with other things like I was much I, wa- I washed my hair yesterday, which is always kind of a mistake. You should just keep your hair dirty for about a week before anything public. But okay, um, <laughs> so I'm not gonna I'm make I'm not gonna um, I'm gonna talk about um, I'm gonna talk about this what I'm doing. and I'm gonna talk about you guys being here and um, poetry and stand up. And I'm not gonna make jokes about my ex, um, but you know, but there are things you know. There's things about there's things about being a relationship that I can't not talk about. You know, and so I will talk a little bit about those things tonight um like for instance you're in a relationship with somebody and um they they're like sitting there drinking their coffee and um they they're either looking at their phone or they're just sort of looking at you and then they say you have really long arms you know and you're like no I don't (laughs) and they were like no you do you know and then you're like oh I'm just waking up um now if you stayed with the person that would be the end of it you know Um, because soon they'll be on to, like, your head's really big, you know? Um, Thank you, you found it. No, it's not. (laughs) Um, So I'm looking, you know, like... I'm looking at a picture of myself, I'm like, I'm looking at a picture of myself on Instagram, it's like one of those, like a triumph photo. You know, you're standing next to somebody famous and you're just sort of standing there. And I'm thinking, oh, that's really great, because my new strategy in um, photos is to not smile, because like anything can happen when you smile, right? Like your face just goes like, you know, something weird. Or weird. But if you just kind of stand there kind of quietly and look a little pr- proud, you can sort of get through it. So the face look okay, and that's where I was like, oh my God, my arms are long, you know? Um, So I'm kind of like, I look like an ape. So, and then the question is, how does a person get long arms? You know, like how did this happen? And I was thinking like, if it it was like a really big dick, it would be just like, well, it just kept growing, you know? So it's probably similar. It's probably just like, it didn't stop, you know? And maybe there's something handy about having really long arms. So this is like that, basically what we're doing. It's sort of like, hi. I have really long arms, um, so I've been going to I've been going to um, some stand up and doing a little bit of research, and I saw Tignataro a while ago, like a month ago or something. I think I saw her someplace really huge, like the town hall, and um, it was kind of incredible because she, as we've known, she has she's had um breast cancer, so she had a breast removed. So I think she sort of said, kind of, it's Susie Timmons' fault. Oh, answer it. Don't feel bad. It's okay. <laughs> I have to take this <laughs> right. <laughs> like. So she's talking about, she was like, don't step on my material, it's, it's TIG. Okay. So, so she's talking about breast cancer and having her breast removed and stuff like that, and some guy, you know, like it's such a big theater, so there's some guy up in the balcony, and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa take it off, like, you know, and it was like, it was so wrong, and it was so inappropriate, but at, now that I think of it, I think she, he was probably part of her. He was probably paid to be up there saying this, you know? Because she was like, what? And so she took her shirt off, and it was just incredible. You know, it was sort of like, um, if you've seen anybody perform naked, there's something very particular about it. And um, I have done this, like not, I mean, I've, and I'm not gonna do it, to, I don't think I'll do it tonight. but. <laughs> I did do it in the 90s, and there's something very special about being naked for you and for the audience, which is that initially it's this total shock, like everybody's like, oh my god, she's naked, you know, and they're like looking at you, and it's just like this kind of like the room is going like that, and you're going like that, because it's like all those, as a poet you have two dreams, one is that you're doing your reading naked, and the other is you're doing your reading naked or not naked, and you've forgotten your poems. So these are the two things that are basically the essence of the, the naked poet feeling. So you're having that feeling. but um, And you're naked, briefly, you're naked for everyone, you know. But And it's, well, the thing that's so weird about being publicly naked is that only, I think only women do this, you know. There's not a whole thing about public, unless they're male rock stars. It's sort of like basically... Female performance artists, male rock stars, and and female stand-ups are the only naked people public who are not officially. You're not paying to see somebody naked. These are just people who suddenly become naked, um, and female stand-up. So, so, okay, I'm 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 doing this. I'm just standing. I'm standing up. Um, and, you know, I kind of feel like, and, and it's just like like that huge like like that means you're like not a baby. You know, like I've done this. I've I've gotten to this point where I'm I'm standing, um, with really long arms. And so, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm take my um, clothes off. But the thing, the 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 next thing that happens when somebody's naked publicly is that first everybody sees it, and then everybody forgets. You know, including you. It's very weird. Like I've done a poetry reading naked once for some benefit, and it was just like you were like, this feels normal now. This is very strange. But the thing that happens, like watching somebody else perform naked, is that. but everybody remembers at different times after that. After the initial, you're naked for everyone, then you're naked for everyone individually, moment by moment, so you're kind of like twinkling. So it's kind of like, you're like living with everybody in the audience, basically. You're having a one-on-one relationship, naked with each person, all at different times. So when you live with somebody um you have these you have that you have that experience too like you're um you're like you know like you took a shower and then you run to do like an email you know and you're just sitting there and then they're like you're like a nudist you know you're sort of sitting around writing your emails and doing things naked in your apartment and um I really, I don't do this alone. I don't. When I'm living alone. I don't spend a lot of time naked. I just, it just sort of happens around other people. And mostly, it's like because I feel like if I was sitting there doing an email naked, my dog would suddenly be staring at me, and she would be like, "Why are you naked?" You know. And it would just be kind of like, like the dog would be thinking, "This just doesn't feel right. It just sort of makes me uncomfortable." Um, so I, so I don't want to, you know. There was, my stand-up process is this. I take a long set of notes, right? And I kind of write, basically write it. And then I think I'll shorten the notes. So this is the shortened version. So sometimes I don't know what the shortened version means. Sorry. So that's, that'll be the quality of these silences. Um, why do this? Oh, this. Okay, so here's the question. It's sort of like, why do this? Why do I want to stand at the Poetry Project tonight and do a piece called Stand Up and create all these awkward silences, which Andrew cited silences. Okay, um, because th- there are actually there are actually all these there are all these different kinds of silences, right? We all know this. Um, are we we're, are we recording this? We're we're recording this, right? Okay, because I could, I could do it on my phone. I don't have to, okay. Um, I feel so alone in the 21st century. I just wanted to say that. (laughs) Um, So I have personally done, I feel like I've been, (laughs) I've been um, doing readings for like 40 years. So I figured that mathematically, I figured I've done at least a thousand readings, which is sort of an incredible thing. and it's weird to say something like you've done a thousand readings. It's sort of like it, there's all these sideways things of talking about age and aging and being an older and stuff. It's sort of like like if you if you one of the things about aging is you start to notice that all your like all your neighbors are getting old. It's sort of weird, you know, or that your old friends are old, you know. So these are. But I just discovered the other day that I have like an old ruler. <laughs> It's like, this is like a really hard, ho- ho- suddenly a strange, it's like a, it's like a yardstick and it's kind of like really brown and kind of dirty looking. And I'm thinking, when did I get this? And I was like, when I moved to New York, it was like a horrifying thing. So I'm like, I have an old ruler. Um, <laughs> but, so I, I, so I started doing, I started doing readings when I was like 24. Um, and Eileen, is Eileen Miles at 24 was just sort of like, you would like, I would, like, read the poem, and, and then I would steer panic-stricken up at you guys. It would be just, like, this, like, eh, like, it's horrible, um, and, and, and feel naked. It was just, like, a new variety of nakedness that I had never felt before. It was, like, to to read a poem for the first time, um, to step into that other space of, of, you know, like, the private thing that your poetry has felt or meant, or, like, when I, when I was in college, I couldn't even read them in, in you know, in the classroom. Um, but it's sort of, like, in that first moment of stepping out in front of people, it's sort of like you're like a carcass who has like emitted a squeak, you know? Um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a corpse's final poop. <laughs> except this is the beginning of your career, you know? <laughs> so it's like that, you give that face, that face represents all those things. And, but the weirdest part of it all, is so you do, you do the reading or you read the first poem and then the audience goes, oh. you know? And it's not like it's not like a real ha, you know. It's sort of like it's like this collective ha. It's more like it's more like hoop, you know. It's not like ha. I was just thinking if I really think about it, because it doesn't even it doesn't even go ha, and the mouth stays open. Everybody wants to get it over really quickly, so it's like hoop. So this is why I wanted a wet board. I just thought. I just wanted. To, I'm leaving you with something. I was like, I mean, I feel like I feel like this is really kind of like. Don't you feel? I feel like this is the sort of the heyday of the anything moment. Don't you feel this in the world culturally and and genre-wise and media-wise? It's sort of like. And I feel like this is a really great moment for me because I feel like I feel like an anything person. I feel like I've been like an anything person for a long while. Like part of it around being around the ground, the grind the grind of like economic reality like I feel like it's sort of I'm a poet but I would basically do anything else to make a living that sort of vaguely sounds like so the the, the, I think that anything person is really kind of can fit in marvelously into this kind of cultural void that we're sort of um, I don't want to say suffering through but just being being in kind of this sort of big vagueness Um, so I you know in a way I guess I feel you know like I feel better I feel better doing this. I feel better being anyone and being in a world in which it's sort of like, there's no real conflict. It's like, it's, it's fine. Um, but so, so, and I'm, and I'm fine with not knowing what this is and I'm, I hope it's okay for you too. Um, but there are two things that I'm sort of meditating on tonight. Indeed. And one is poetry and one is stand up. And, um, but just to, to think for a moment about being funny in poetry. Um, I, mean, I think people really have different appetites for it, right? I mean, like, po- there are poets who are like, they're like she's like a funny poet, you know? And you get that kind of creepy feeling, like that's what this person is doing, you know? And I think it's wrong. I think it's sort of, it's very interesting. Well, it's, it's wrong in poetry, it's not wrong in stand-up. I mean, that's what's so weird about when I started talking to people who do stand-up. It's sort of like, what's funny is that they actually are going for jokes. I mean, like, that's what they're doing you know, whereas when somebody's going for a joke in poetry, it's just like kind of vulgar, you know, because that's supposedly not, I mean, it's not clear what we're doing, but we're, we're not doing that, you know. <laughs> I mean, like, porn's interesting that way. When I re- understood that what porn was trying to do was produce an orgasm, you know, and this, sex, and like, when you want to make the dis- distinction between sexual writing, writing that has sex in it, and porn, sexual writing isn't trying to make you come. basically. It might want to put some sex in the writing, but they're not trying to do this. Um, so but being funny in poetry is just a little weird and I think people have different appetites for it um, like this kind of like I can think of this woman who is very funny in poetry and is having kind of a big career in it and stuff and I was just like hor- we read together and I was sort of horrified you know because I, it's like it was like poetry jokes jokes about Whitman and you know it was just like this is so you know but she the thing that was so strange was then we took a van ride you know from city to city and she was, personally was very funny you know in fact you're, do you, you're like you know who this is you're having a look on your face um, she was great, and then I felt bad for hating how funny she was on, you know, on stage. Or there's, like, sort of, you can be clever, like, there's, like, dad jokes, there's poetry dad jokes, or avant-garde dad, you know? We know all, you know, that's that. And I remember when that began, I thought, is this okay? Like, avant-garde dad? And then I realized it is that thing about if, if one would continue, it has a purpose. And again, I don't know what that purpose is, but it sort of feels right in the room, and everybody's okay with it, you know? so. Um, But, but, so I understand the pleasure, which is a sort of like, it's just kind of, it's so wrong that it's right, you know, but I feel like mine, my, mine is my, when I'm funny, it's just like I'm out of control. That's why it's funny, you know, it's sort of like, it's like that little, it's that poop, the poop of my career continues, the joke is that. Um, I'm naked, I have long arms, I'm pooping, that's the essence, that's, that's the essence of this talk, um. And, and, and you know, and just, and I have been shitting about this thing that I'm doing right now. Um, just keeping it to pooping and all the, the whole area of. Poop. It's just only a surface resemblance. Um, so once on a trip, I was once I was traveling. Across country with somebody I was in a relationship with, and um, and we our car broke down, and we wound up going to stay in this at this house with many dachshunds, you know, um, and you know, and I was you know, and part of the setup was that I was with a younger person. The person I was with at the time was younger, and so it was like immediately I was just like um, I was like Satan. That's the thing. It's like the, what's, you know, it's like it's one thing to be like a lesbian and meet your partner's family, and they're like here's Satan, but there's just there's no question. <laughs> If you're with a younger person, you're Satan. It's just like you have just long fangs and you're like sucking the life out of the child and there you are and they're supposed to like talk to you. So it was already, you know, and it was, I was thinking, she's Satan. And it was like, no, I'm Satan. Um, so these people, so we were staying with these people that were sort of like her parents' generation, you know, and, um, and they were kind of weird. Like they, they had these, all these dachshunds and the dachshunds had like, it was cold. It was like, it was winter, you know. And so the dachshunds, they would, like, announce time to poop, you know, which is so weird, and sort of like, and then they would like, get the dachshunds into their little outfits, you know, and then the people, the the middle-aged white people would put on their weird little hats and their little outfits, and then they would, like, there were, like, seven or, like, 13 dachshunds, and they would all, like, head out into the yard to poop, and, um, And I just, I guess it was sort of like, it was, it was strange because you couldn't help thinking of them all sort of lining up in a row and shitting in the yard. It was just like, why not? Um, and who hasn't thought of doing that when you're out there with your, like, you know, you take your animal running and then the animal takes a shit and you're like, oh, God, why, you know, why can't I do this? <laughs> but the thing I was thinking about, why I'm re- talking about um, animals is, is like, what if, so what, if, what if the animals picked degrading outfits for us? Right? It was just like, I've never thought about this before. You know? Like, what if my dog decided that um, I should have a clown costume? You know? And she'd be like, put it on, Eileen. You know? And I'd be like, no! And she'd be like, I'm gonna shit on the floor. You know? I have the same birthday as Emmett Kelly. Do you know who Emmett Kelly is? He's like, yes, he's like like the classic clown. Nobody ever saw this man perform, but he's like the famous clown. Um, and I just, I just would never have an opportunity in my life to say this before, so I've just delivered that line. Um, so the thing, the thing about animals, and actually, there's no segue, but I'm, there was a segue. It's gone. I don't know. Um, the thing about exes <laughs> is it's not enough to unfriend them. It's not enough. Um, you have to block them, right? You just—you can't unfriending will do not do the trick. Blocking will do the trick. Um, like, did you ever see that episode of Black Mirror? Have you watched this? This amazing—it's like the Twilight Zone. It's like British Twilight Zone on Netflix. It's, in, huh? What's it, What are you? What are you saying? Canadian? Canadian. Oh, Canadian. Oh, I'm so sorry. British Canadian. I was just like, there's like a queen on their money. Anyway, there's one episode. There's one episode in which people are blocked, you know? It's sort of like the, the way genitals are blocked, like with that kind of iridescent cube, but instead it's the whole person is blocked. And I think the person had done, if the government, if you had done something wrong in this, in this dystopia, that, that you would see these human shapes and it would just mean like, oh my God, I can't, you know, I, I'm not allowed to see this person or they're not allowed to see me, which seems like the ultimate thing that we should have from social media. Like, is this, no, you don't wanna just block them on Facebook, you wanna block them in the world, you know? You see, that's sort of strange, but we can't do that with X's. And I'm saying you gotta, uh, you got to block them. otherwise. But you have to block them because... Um, so I'm... Okay. I go into Facebook one day, and somebody goes, um, I'm writing something. This is like how poets lie on Facebook. I'm like, right? I'm writing something, and I just wondered if any of you have any ideas about what gets better. You know? What gets better is what this poet wants to know, you know, for something that he's writing. I thought, you're not writing, you're depressed. You know? <laughs> But we can't, you know. It's sort of like certain people can get say, "I'm really depressed." I'm really depressed, and somebody else will appropriate it, and it'll be like a conceptual poem. But, but this poem poet just did, simply didn't want to say that he was feeling bad. So he was like, "What gets better?" And so everybody, I mean, it's like, um, I mean, I feel, I feel like this should be like this should be like group therapy for the whole world, right? At this point in time, I think that's what we should have. But then I thought, no, that's what Facebook is in this horrifying way, right? It was sort of like everybody's sort of the whole world is out there, you know, and it's sort of. You know, you're kind of feeling something, and you just go, wah, you know? And as I did that, I'm, like, sitting, I'm sitting in my apartment writing this and talking to myself, and I'm thinking, and I go, wah. I mean, that's the horrible thing about thinking, right? You're walking down the street, or you're at the gym, and you're thinking, and suddenly you go, wah, and then the person next to you looks, and you're like, oh, I just busted through the barrier. Um, but I do it, and my dog just looks at me and goes, whoa. You know, warily, you know? Um, clown costume, (laughs) or Texas car hop, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Um, So what gets better? So I think, I'm I'm gonna chime in, so I like, writing gets better, dogs get better, Um, I'm like performing the happy, soulful, art-loving person on Facebook. Do you, I mean, like, do, does anybody ever, I gotta say this, does anybody ever forget the the names that people call you on the internet? Like, do you ever, ever get over the things that you kind of, the sort of like, right, it's like this is part of the harrowing, you know, like, um, I'm just assuming we're all poets here, but there was like Claudius App, anybody, it was like, there was a, a website called Claudius App, which was like a poetry website, and then it migrated to being like a hate crime, you know? Um, <laughs> It was like one. It was, it was like one little man who had this website who chiefly hated women, but actually he hated a lot of people. Um, so, like the magazine became that, you know. Um, which I think is, you know, like again, I think that that that's part of this anything moment thing, which is, it's sort of like, in an anything moment, something can be this, and then it can quickly become that. You know, like, it's sort of like, there aren't all these strictures in between, so it's part of the excitement of the way we live, but sort of the horror, too, is that it, like, it, you know, and, I mean, people have been trying to, divide up time for years in incremental ways, in different and separate, unofficial ways, like a gay moment, I'll do that in a gay moment. You know, do we know this? It's sort of like, not everybody hears this language, but that's true, you know, and what does that mean? It means like out of a bitchy, I'm unwilling, I'll get around to it, you know, like I'll do that in a gay moment, you know? and, and who hasn't hated the, um, the term a New York moment? Like, I mean, like, I feel like that is so not for us. And then somebody's like, we could do it in, like, a New York moment. And you know, the second somebody says that, you just don't want to know this person. This is like a person who, like, is paying for New York magazine, you know? It's like, this was like, they were like, I live in New York. I'm going to get New York magazine, you know? Um, but that kind of, but that morphing thing that I was talking about is the, um, is, the is what the real topic of this thing that I'm, Trying to do here is is like the that this thing here becomes that thing there, um, and and that that weird transition is truly the arc of both things, um, poetry and stand up. Um, I vouch that they are the same thing. Um, though the, the difference too is, oh my God, I dropped something. Um, the difference is <laughs> that poets po the comics risk risk shitting, and poets don't. You know, and and. What I mean by that is if you 've ever performed and you you have performed right this woman right here nodding because the thing is it's like if you've performed if you 've done improvisation i mean it's, this is like this is like a baby step you know now I feel like after this, I will really have to have the balls to like go to one of those open mic stands up and do ten minutes and like just barf right but um but performers or anybody who improvises or works without a net it's sort of like um, you basically you know like what you risk you you're risking dying by hanging i mean that's and i was thinking i think it must be the throat it must be because i was thinking what is that it's sort of like you're so because you 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 basically feel like you're going to shit you feel like you're 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 just going to like like lose it you know and and i think it is literally this thing that it's sort of like because that would be the outcome you know that thing about they say that with the body if you you know you the information you put, the brain will, you will go through the symptoms of a thing that you're reading, we laugh, something funny's happening, we all laugh, something, something, people are having sex, we all come, you know, it's sort of all these things. And so when we, when we, um, when we, I guess when we risk saying stupid things out of our mouth and there's nothing between me and you but this, you know, it's sort of like it's, it's some kind of equivalent of hanging. And so I think that's, that's the, thus the shitting, um, because it emotionally, um, I mean, there are other things that emotionally represent execution, like interviews, you know, it's like an interview makes one person want to shit or throw up, or, I mean, maybe not, you're all like, what is she talking about, I don't know, I don't know, dating, dating, does dating make you feel a little bit like you're going to be executed? No, no, you guys are like so cool, like, I'm an asshole, I feel these things. Um, so, in the Poetry Hate app, um, I was, I was, I, was, I, I tried to remember. At first, I couldn't remember it, but it didn't take long. I was like, I was like an old would-be jackal pretending to be a saint. I was like, whoa, right? It was kind of not bad. I was like, kind of true. It's not bad. I was like, all right? But, um, but you start to live with it. You know, you start to live with it. You're like, hmm that might, you know, that's okay. Put it on um, next Halloween. That's what I'm gonna go at. I was one. Like, um. But okay, so this guy in San Francisco is depressed, and he's writing something. Um, So people keep adding things, um, and poets keep adding things, because poets like being asked, right? This is like so sad, like we're sad people, you know? Um, Poets have like absolutely nothing to do all day long, really. You know, we're like at work, you know, or (laughs) writing something, you know, or um, whatever, not bathing, bathing. Um, but it's sort of like, so poets will basically, en masse, will answer your question forever. It's like, is anybody, I'm writing, I'm teaching a course on, uh, photography, has anybody seen anything interesting that has accordions in it? You know, and like, 700 people for three weeks, have you seen, you know, like, the Bard list, it's like, you want to kill yourself, you like, go away, you know? But it's like, all we want basically is to be asked a question. Um, so I'm like, I get curious. I just go see what's lying around on on Facebook. Like what, you know, what are what are what's good what gets better. It's my ex. <laughs> Orgasms. Oh, yeah. I was like what, did you really say that? Did you really say that? And it's just like, oh, and then I just started, I, I went to India in the 90s, and I started a picture, like there were these temples, and on top of the temples, they had like piles, certain temples had like piles of things, like baby heads, and furniture, and dogs, and animals, and fruit, and it just keeps growing and growing, and I guess I picture my, you know, my 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 ex's orgasm like that, like it must be like the top of a, this guy's supposed to be laughing, as his are, but like, Go for it. Um, Anyway. um, Did you really say that? Okay. Um, Two friends, everybody in the the poetry world. Tig at Townfall. This is like, this is really, I think, you want to know what this was. I don't think. This is the part that Andrew was talking about, too. Did you really, did, I, w- I went right to it. Did you really say that? If you don't block your ex... Oh! Did I... If you don't block your ex, it's like something you left in your apartment. It seems to be talking to you, but it isn't. Ah, that is a little knowing. Ah. Um. It's also it 's also like if you don't it 's also like if you don 't block your ex it 's sort of like like when you, when you did drugs did you have like there were like small creatures running by the side of your per- drugs <laughs> peripheral vision like all the time and you 're sort of trying to act like it 's not happening but you're like you're like and you 're privately reading a horror novel at all times um, you got to block them that's i did so a stand up a stand up uh, a person that I really, Aparna Nanchurla, have you heard this person perform? She's amazing. You just go on the internet and search. She's incredible. She describes, she describes seeing a pile of shit with a condom on top of it. And she was like, too much information or not enough. <laughs> right? It's great. Um, so I envy that ambivalence. There's, there's nothing, I, f- I feel like there's nothing ambivalent in my life. That's like sort of the problem. Um, but still, I like to throw my dick down on the breakfast table. That's sort of a, I, that's, I, got, I got that, it was a famous writer. It was a famous writer that, I've even used this in a poem. It was a famous writer that he just said that he doesn't allow anybody to share dreams at the breakfast table. I was like, what an asshole. And I was like, what do you do? Just put all five pounds of it down on the table and say, no dreams, you know? Um, but I've taken to saying this continually as a, as a version of shock. I just like to put my, throw my dick down on the table. Like, I feel like, you know, in Buddhist teachers, how they sort of like, when you ask it, they say, you say, what is life? And they hit you on the head with a stick. Or that you, you say, um, you know, what, what is another, what is death? you know, and they say moo, you know? And so, my, my, this is just like my crazy wisdom. It was just like, you ask me a question. Susie asked me a question. You have that, she has the first reading face. You had it, you had it. It was like really great. And it was just like, um, why me? I just throw my dick down on the table. That's what it, thank you. Um, this is the time of anything. I'm one. Poetries. People. I'm This is really, this is good. You you want this. (laughs) There's so little difference between this and that, except this is coherent and that is not. Um, This is the time of anything, people. I said it, but I didn't say it. You know, like, (laughs) do you ever go to Russia and you hear, when you hear, Women, it's like so weird. You know Rocky and Bullwinkle? Did you watch those cartoons? Bullwinkle, Rocky. And she talk like that. You go to Russia and all Russian women speaking in English sound like that. And you realize it's like you're forced to use, you're forced to. You, there's a rhythm that you have to use. And if you don't use it, nobody will understand you. So you could be saying something perfectly in Russian and they're just looking at you like that. Because you've got to go, you've got to go Bullwinkle, Rocky. And it's like there's a woman one and a man one. Um... So I basically said something really funny, but I didn't say it in the right rhythm, so you didn't get it. Um, (laughs) This is the time of anything, people. I'm one. Poetry, okay, we'll go back. Poetry is like an accident. Okay, now see, now it's not going to be so good. It was actually really great. But between, yeah, true, I mean, it's sort of like, poetry's like an accident, right? I believe this, it's like, it's like brackets, you know? I just thought I'd hold my thoughts like this, right? I mean, I think that's what poetry is, I just like this. I thought I'd let my life be this way, you know? Like, eh, it's really not a poem. It's really not a novel. It's not a memoir. I'm not gay. I'm not a woman. I'm not a lesbian. I'm not a man. Isn't the thing that about race that's kind of, the thing about race is that it's, it's kind of clear. But what's it in that sentence? That's the problem with that sentence, actually. Um, Fanny said her mixed-race kids were of her, which I think is sort of incredible. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm white, the invisible color. I put a U in that color. You feel it? God, <laughs> oh, what's that? I was like <laughs> I was like, what's this like a ching ching ching? It's a camera. Um, the worst part is I'm like I'm getting to it, I'm not even nervous. This is like uh, I asked. Okay, I asked you if you felt the U in color. It, I, that was like maybe not good. Um, the thing about poetry. The thing about poetry timing, poetry talking, and the thing about. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, the thing about okay, the thing about poetry timing and the thing about poetry talking. It's much better when I talk, right? Um, is is that. When we, start, we stop going da-da-da-da-da-da, when we stop doing that, or when we stop doing, like, the thing about poetry, when we stop doing that, like... And we know that there are cults of da-da-da-da-da-da who are still, like, some of them are in this, you know, in this borough of Manhattan, north, you know? Or, anyway. Um, well, hold, okay, hold that for a second, because wouldn't it be... Over here. Hold on. There was a poet named Bob Flanagan. Do you know who Bob Flanagan is? He was, he was amazing. He could, he was really good at like, he could do imitations of all the poets in the LA poetry scene perfectly. Like that was his, he would just do Cape Braverman and people were like dying and laughing. Um, so what was that? <laughs> it was like a dead poet body under the building. It was just like somebody's yanking a tree out by the roots. It was like... Um, so wouldn't it be great if Bob was... was oh, this is not going to work at all. This was the hardest, the thing I worked on the hardest. Um, you know who should be alive? That's what I thought. It's like there's so many people dead. Like It's sort of like increasingly, um, increasingly you, you'll, you'll be talking about... I love that you're with me. This is really great. Thank you. Um, so Bob, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. Bob's, de- Bob's dead. Okay. Bob's dead. And the, the thing, one of the things about being older than young is that you know a lot of dead people. You know a lot of dead people. In fact, most of, the dead pe- most of the dead people people talk about, you know. You know, they were like, these are my friends, you know. And increasingly, I mean, I think that people, in a way, people die because... That's what all their friends are doing, <laughs> you know? It's like, I'm gonna go where they are, you know? Um, but I just, I actually, I thought, when I thought about Bob, I was, gonna, I was thinking, Bob Flanagan, you know who should be alive? And nobody ever says that, we don't say it that way. You know, like, you know who I miss? Or you know who's dead? You know who's too bad, you know, Bob died. You know, it's like, but really, it'd be so great if when you thought about pe- people, you know, you'd be like, you know who should be alive? You know who should really be alive? You know who should really be alive? It's like a whole different feeling, right? It's like it's sort of like we could just sort of like summon them here with us now, you know. Like it's sort of casual. It's not like they didn't die. It's like it's like nothing is dead. It's just like not alive, kind of. Um, I, you know, that, that, I'm just trying to give you a helpful way to say it. Um, once, okay, back, backing up. Once people stop saying da 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 when they stop going, the tree in the park, the, the acrobats, you know who should be alive. Because that's really like, that's like beauty beat, right? It's sort of like, it's like, do you get from this, you know who should be alive? That, that you feel like you hear that and you think beauty. I feel, I hear beauty, you know? Um, but once we stopped, that what it really came to, comes down to in a way is like, do we really want to listen to this shit? You know, and I think that is like, no, we can't, we can't really write that in reviews, right? We can't say, I don't want to listen to this shit, you know? And you can't say, I really want to listen to this shit. But that's really what's going on, I believe. Um, I mean, it can, be, it can be about the brilliance of removing all the O's or reading the first word in every book in your library. You know, we, it can be that, you know, or it could be like, you know, like, writing something really racist and waiting to see how many days before you start getting kicked out of poetry societies, you know, like, and the, counting that, that would be the conceptual poem, right? It was sort of like, it's like right now, you're like, well, how many, yeah. Um, but still, but it still is, do you want to listen to this shit? Because um, I, f- I feel, honestly, I feel like whatever it is, I think it could be, talking, it could be poetry, it could be teaching, it could be selling something, it could be seduction. I feel like it's really all the same. I think, um, did you ever watch Andy Griffith? Did you ever watch this TV show in reruns? Um, I hated that show. And I, I hated that guy, and I hated that town. I mean, it was like the, there's definitely something nice about small places, but then there's something really horrible, right? There's something really horrible. Um, like, called lynching in towns like I mean, We were like, how could there be a town like that that wasn't filled with lynching? That's what, you know? But it was sort of like Mayberry, you know? And, and it made me, made me think of is this amazing art show, was in the 90s, which was, they reproduced, apparently during World War II, um, early on during the Holocaust, um, the Red Cross actually went to some concentration camps and were convinced by the Nazis that it was fine you know, and so there was somebody actually erected the installation, so there were art shows, and there were like children's you know like incredible creative classes for children and it was just like this beautiful thing, and it was like this is great, you know, and so I feel like that's i mean like certainly that's what American television is is sort of like that erection of like delight for the Red cross, you know, and it's sort of like and all the you know all the other stuff is you know the gas chambers and the lynching is sort of all the off stage sort of um. But of course, you know like America's really in the business of us feeling something nice, um, but the interesting thing is when you know like on the interesting thing on Andy Griffith was when when um, Barney or Goma Pyle or whatever his name was like suddenly he would break out into opera, you know it was like, what the fuck right and you, you haven't seen the show, so this is completely meaningless and maybe you'll go home to YouTube tonight and watch a really horrible show um, and the only the only reason it's interesting is that um actually most people hate opera but that's so not the point you know it was sort of like it's 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 like an unnatural turn you know and you're you're watching like this mundane show and suddenly this guy breaks out into singing and it's sort of like the weirdness of it is actually it's sort of like dimensional like a 3d thing has just happened on an american tv show and people are like and so people don't know what to do with that so they have to love it and they have to say that's like um I mean, it's Baroque is what it is. It's sort of like we have, we, have, we have a happy show and we have this sort of lie in a way because probably that guy doesn't sing opera. You know, it's like a homely man starts singing beautiful opera and, and people go, and it's crazy, and people go, no, it's beautiful, opera's beautiful. Um, and is it... Ah, oh, finally, I've driven somebody out. Good night. Is it love or something stranger? Um... But the point, the fact, the point is that Jim Neighbors was gay. That's the thing that's really incredible about that. So, and that's what's going on. He's willing to co- pretend to be a complete fucking idiot, just so people will look at him, and then he will begin to sing. He's really happy, and everybody in America thinks, this is so beautiful, and what he's doing is he's singing, I'm gay! It's like, so I guess that's what that's what gets better, you know? That's sort of like, something turns, whether you know it or not, it's happening. Um, it's as if, t- it's as if, this this, it's as if the Native Americans had a joke, like I wish they did, because when I realized when I realized about America that everybody who came here had a dream, and I don't mean I don't mean the people who were brought here. Nobody nobody had a dream who was brought to America forcefully. You know, like that's a nightmare. Like who would want to be brought here? But the insanity of America is that everybody had an idea, and then they got here. And it was really sensationally beautiful. It was just like when you read about New York City and how incredible, you know, it was just like, you know, it was just like there were like, you know, clams. You know, it was just like, (laughs) right? It was just like, you know, the trees. And you were like, you were just, it was like this right place. It's just impossible to imagine, you know? But it's sort of like, but it was really great. And then there were these, the... There were, it was beautiful, and what wasn't beautiful to the people who came here with the dream were that there were these other people who were already here, and they were having a really good time. Um, so, you know, if there's another laugh coming in this talk, I'm not sure I see it coming, but um, I guess I, I need to say that Yeah, and I and may, can I d- let that dr- what I, can I let what I was just saying drop off like that? I don't, you know, I just feel like I guess I guess it's sort of like I feel like there's just a horror onto everybody's dream in America, you know, and I think that's what we're living with this. Um, we're living with this dissonance all the time, you know, which is why to me it seems like it's finally a, a good time for it to be a, a time for anything because things can kind of come ripping out from underneath, you know, because there's no way to hold these two things on top of each other anymore. Um, but I have a dog because at some point I just give in to my venality and I start feeding the dog. I mean, you get a dog and they're like, you don't let the dog sleep with you and you don't let the dog eat human food. You know, Like you just keep the line really firm. And it was like, I'm going to really train this dog. It's going a really good house. You don't let the dog shit on the house. You have the dog outside shitting and, um, and stuff. But so at some point I give into my venality and I start feeding the dog my food. And then it's ruined. Because um, the dog is never just a dog again. The dog wants cheese, you know. I love cheese. I guess it's kind of greasy, you know, cheese. And it, and it comes out of cow's nipples. Um and sheeps and goats nipple. I mean, it's really weird when you think about what cheese is. And, and even, though, of course, the way, you know, like there are nice little farms someplace that they're sort of like squeezing one, one sheep at a time or something and like <laughs> beautiful cheese coming to us. But we know mostly they're just huge, you know, like factory, like concentration camp factory farms where they're just pumping animals full of, you know, chemicals and forcing Cheese out of their bodies to give coming it's like a nightmare. So you can see vegans are right. I mean, so the question is, what would a dog? What would a dog eat if I didn't feed it? Um, I mean, is a dog an, an anything kind of person too? I think it is. I think the part of what we love about dogs is they're anything kind of people. Um, and that's the essence of the relationship of the human and the dog. We're eating together, you know? And it's sort of like we know this, and we make up all, we put up all these lines and borders, um, but we really are eating together. And I, I, love, I, I love wolves because um, they don't eat with us, you know? They don't, they just don't. And ranchers, you know, ranchers say they do. You know, like why is eating a lamb once in a while worse than like a whole nation feeding off a sheep's nipple? Thank you. Yeah, it's like a funny thought. Um, The wolf, okay, the wolf wants to stay out, you know? I mean, is anything more dignified than that? Like, sitting on a shelf, hanging over the land, just howling. Like, what is the wolf howling? The wolf has no poems. The wolf has no jokes. My poems might be gone, they sing. I don't want to burden the wolf with gender. My poems might be gone, listen. I'm going to listen to that when I wake up. Don't be cruel. And all the wolves start singing. Ooh, to a heart that's true. It's the most beautiful night of your life. Why not? Anything is happening. Anything can sing, I think. We're living in the anything moment of the world. So don't let anything ask you to be ashamed about anything. Don't help them do that to you with your big, long arms. Think hard and just tell the truth. Thanks. Thank you.
0: The Poetry Project has promoted, fostered, and inspired the reading and writing of contemporary poetry since 1966. Consider supporting us by checking out a reading, becoming a member, or donating at poetryproject.org.